Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Well, welcome to the All Things Podcast. I am here today with the amazing Dr. Michelle Bankston. She is a Redemption Press author of the Hope Prevails Bible Study, also a Baker Ravel author of a book by the same title, Hope Prevails. That was the first book that came out, and we were privileged to do the Bible study. She also recently authored another Ravel title, Breaking Anxiety's Grip. Dr. Michelle will be with us for the first half of the show, and then during the second half, I'll be providing some insider insights about writing and publishing. So welcome, my friend, to the All Things Podcast. It's always fun to be back with you, Athena. You bet. Well, before we jump in, I want to go ahead and give you a proper introduction. For those of you who don't know Michelle, Dr. Michelle Bankston is a board-certified neuropsychologist with more than 25 years of experience in the mental health field. She's a national and international media resource on mental health and wellness. Dr. Bankston is the author of the award-winning Hope Prevails, and Hope Prevails Bible Study. She writes at drmichellebankston.com for Roma Downey and Mark Burnett's lightworkers.com and for God's Glory Alone Ministries. She lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with her husband of 30 years, their two sons, and oh, the dogs that she has. They're so cute. And I'm sure keep her happy when things are rough. So I first met Michelle when we both attended the SWIMA, which is Christian Women in Media Conference in the Dallas area, I think it was 2015, if I'm remembering right. And we had already been Facebook friends for a number of years. But uh, boy, Michelle, you have been on quite a journey. And since the focus of our show is Romans 8.28, where it says that we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Tell us how God has worked in your life, that scripture of all things working together for good. You know, Athena, I have seen that come about so many times, so many times when in the middle of a crisis, you just think, what good is going to come out of this? But I think one of the most pronounced times in my life was when I was in the planning stages of writing my book, Hope Prevails. And 
that was going to be a book written by myself as a doctor, as a resource for people who could not come into my office, but who needed help knowing how do they get through depression and how do they treat it and, and was there any hope for them? And I had that seed kind of planted in my heart that I need to write a resource because I would have people email me and contact me through social media and ask me for help. And I found myself thinking, I'm just one doctor and there's only so many hours in a day. And a lot of these people who are writing to me, they can't come into my office. So I decided that I would consider writing this book. And I went to a writer's conference and had a chance to chat with some people. And what I had told people at this conference was that by 2020, depression would be our greatest epidemic worldwide, greater than heart disease and cancer and AIDS all put together. And here we are in 2020, and that statistic has come to be true. Wow. So the Lord asked me to write this book for the people who couldn't come into my office. So I said, okay, Lord. And it, and it was no no time at all after I said yes. And I felt like the Lord said, but we already have enough doctors writing books. You're going to have to share your own story. And I thought, well, okay, but my story is not really that significant. Up to that point, I had experienced postpartum depression. And I grew up under a mother who had been depressed my entire childhood years. So I thought, well, I can share that story, but I just, I don't know how significant that really is. And about two weeks after I went home from that conference and said, okay, Lord, I'll write the story, I became deathly ill. And I mean, deathly ill. I was on medically induced bed rest for five months. I went from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74. Mm. And I was kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition. And over the course of that time, I just thought, I, I cannot go back and be the doctor. If I, and if I can't be the doctor, then who am I? Because my identity was so wrapped up in what I did. And along with that illness came a horrific depression. It just set in and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And I think I did everything that I had told patients for two decades to do. I tried counseling and medication and diet. And once the doctor said I could, I tried exercise and I was watching my nutrition. I did all the things and they helped, but they were not enough to take the depression away. And I cried out to God and said, Lord, I'm, I'm already doing everything I know to do. And if this is not working, then I cannot go back to being that doctor because I won't recommend something unless I know it works. And I have never heard the audible voice of God, but it was, it was like a whisper in my heart that said, unless you address the spiritual components of disease, it's like putting a Band-Aid on an infection and hoping it gets well. Mm. And the light bulb went off. Because I had been addressing the physical, I had been addressing the cognitive, I had been addressing the emotional, but I had not been addressing the spiritual because I didn't even realize there was a spiritual side to depression. And through that time, the Lord took me on a journey. And that's why the subtitle of Hope Prevails is called Insights from a Doctor's Personal Journey Through Depression. 
And through that journey, he showed me what was missing and what I needed to do. And it became a Romans 8.28 experience because then once he restored my health and I got through the depression and I went back to the private practice and started seeing patients, it changed everything because then I could help patients and not just help them like I had before, but I knew what they were experiencing and the level of compassion that I had. I'd always been a compassionate doctor, but now that I had gone through depression myself, the depression was, was one of those defining moments where then I could help patients from a place of saying me too. Mm. And what they then said and what they have said since reading my book is you really get it. And I do because I've been there, but God didn't leave me there. He brought me through it. So now I can give hope to other people who are in the midst of their journey and wondering, am I going to make it through and what's going to be waiting for me on the other side? And so I like to say, no one likes to be the poster child for depression. And I certainly yeah. didn't set out for that. Yeah. But now I'm grateful for the experience. Don't get me wrong. I don't ever want to go through that again. <laughs> but I am grateful because now I have a greater heart of compassion. And now I can offer God's solution, not just science's solution for getting through that. Mm. And you're able to offer the comfort to others that you have experienced yourself that Jesus provided to you. Yes. Mm, I love that. So uh, we're going to start talking a little bit about your latest book because it really, you almost can't address depression without addressing anxiety. It just seems like they go together. And how did you decide after you wrote the first book, The Hope Prevails, and then you did the Bible study, how, what made you decide to address that anxiety angle? <laughs> well, it was my readers. Mm. My readers, and it was my readers who wanted the Bible study. After I wrote Hope Prevails, I was ready to start and write a book about the beach or iced tea or the lighthouse mm -hmm. of Michigan or something fun. And my readers wrote to me and said, when are you going to write a Bible study? And I said, oh no, I'm not going to write a Bible study. And they kept writing. They would email, they would send me messages through social media. When are you going to write a Bible study? And I just kept saying, no, I'm not Beth Moore. I'm not Priscilla Shire. I'm not Kelly Minter. And the Lord finally got hold of my heart and said, Michelle, you might not write Bible studies, but I write the best ones. <laughs> and it was then. Like, yes, yes, sir. And it was like, I sat up and thought, okay, well, Lord, you helped me write the first book. So if you will help me write this Bible study, I will do it. And that's when I partnered with Redemption Press to get that out there. And then it was readers who wrote to me and said, when are you going to write a book on anxiety? And again, I was like, oh no, I am not writing another heavy hitter. <laughs> We're not going to write about something so dark and heavy. But in honesty, it made perfect sense because mm -hmm. so many people who would come into my private practice would struggle with both 
depression and anxiety. And it's often hard to tease out which comes first. And not everybody experiences both, but anxiety is considered the common cold of mental illness. And in hmm. part, Wait, say, that, is, say that again. Anxiety is considered the common cold of mental illness. Whoa. Like and, everybody gets it. Yes. And we expect it and we tolerate it. Just like in the midst of winter, we expect and we tolerate the common cold. Except hmm. that I am now at a place where I don't expect it. And I don't accept it because that is not God's best for us. Right. And we don't have to say yes to illness. We don't have to say yes to depression or to anxiety. And in fact, God's word tells us to say no, mm-hmm. worry, fear, and anxiety. And I've heard many a Christian speaker say, well, just do it afraid. And I think that is not biblical. That is not what God says. God says, do not fear. Do not worry about tomorrow. Be anxious for nothing. And so what I want people to hear is that worry, fear, and anxiety are not our portion, but God's peace is. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you suppose so many Christians, I mean, you hear in the church mostly that Christians shouldn't struggle with depression or anxiety and almost to the point where they don't even want to admit it because it doesn't feel safe. So how, how, I mean, you kind of already answered that, but tell me a little bit more about that. So many people do say that. They say, if you struggle with depression or worry for your anxiety, you're not close enough to God, or you're not praying enough, or you have unconfessed sin. And basically they say, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't experience that. But that's not how I see it because God has told us account after account after account of biblical greats who struggled with both depression and anxiety. And I think God put those accounts in his word because he knew as flawed humans, we are going to experience them. And he wants us to see that with his help, we will get through them. You know, I, I don't know that it's truly 365 times as some have suggested, but God has said to not be afraid, do not worry, and do not worry about tomorrow. He said that over 300 times in the Bible. And I think he said it so many times because he knew it would be such a propensity. And hmm. in part, it's because we try to maintain control hmm. over things that God never intended for us to control. He intended for us to submit to him to control. Mm. And yeah, that surrender thing, you know, yeah, nobody <laughs> likes to do that. We, we want to just make sure we, he gets the help he needs, which is we've got that figured out and we know <laughs> what to do. So let us help you, God. Right. And yeah, he wants us to just give it up and let him be God. So to be willing to step out of that boat mm. and step onto the water and hold his hand. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, so people often like the easy answer when it comes to disease, including mental health issues, that they're genetic. And that gives us an excuse. <laughs> but is it really as simple as that? Or is there something else that causes illness? And why is it important for us to know that? It's not that easy of an answer. In truth, what we deal with in large part is genetic or generational iniquity. What that mm -hmm. means is that the sins of the father are passed down through the children. And when we have parents who struggle with things like depression or anxiety, of course we have their DNA. That would be an easy answer. But we can't forget the fact that then we are also raised by parents who model for us looking at life through a depressed lens or an anxious lens. My mother certainly did. And so it's difficult to tease out, well, what was genetic and what was modeling in my case? Hmm. But truly, this all started in the Garden of Eden. There was no depression, no anxiety. Adam and Eve lived in the perfect utopia until sin entered in. And what we see, if we read the scriptures, is that there is almost always a spiritual root of disease. In fact, I would take you to John 10.10 10, that says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. But I have come that they might have life. And if we read in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So God is telling us, look, you've got an enemy. He's against you. And he's going to try to steal your life with things like depression and anxiety. But you don't have to put up with it because I've given you the tools to fight back. But what that means is that we've got to be willing to do the work to fight back. And when I was so depressed and God was starting to show me some of these things, Athena, I remember days where I just thought, God, this is too hard. I just don't know that I want to do the work today. But then my children would walk in after school and I would look at them and think, okay, mm -hmm. I might not want to do the work for me but I'm willing to do the work for them because this depression is going to stop with my generation. Mm. Amen. And that's a very courageous place to be and say, mm, no, no more. And I've got, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, which includes putting on our armor, you know, taking every thought captive, all those things that, you know, we can, it's just easy to get worn out and, and complacent and not utilize them when he's already given them to us. And that's what the enemy's counting on, really. You betcha. Yep. He loves to wear us down. He does, and he wants to isolate us. So, of course, if we have all those thoughts and we don't take them captive, pretty soon we start going, no one's going to understand. I'm the only person that feels this way. And then we, you know, distance ourselves from the people who, if we're around and we, can stay encouraged, we can see, we can be truthful and honest with each other and confess our sins to one another and pray for each other. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many ways that the enemy has figured out where our vulnerabilities are and 
he takes advantage of them if he can. But God has told us that the way to defeat him is through the blood of the lamb, which was shed on Calvary and through the word of our testimony. And so if we would be open and transparent and vulnerable and share what we're going through, but also how God is bringing us through and the enemy is defeated. Absolutely. Okay. So Michelle, as a neuropsychologist, it would be easy to assume that you'd be a big proponent for medication for things like depression and anxiety, but through your own experiences, as you said, you found other solutions that would be helpful. Yes. One of the greatest is praise and worship. Mm. And the reason for that, I think, is because depression and anxiety, they are not from God. They are from the enemy of our soul. When it comes to depression, the thief comes to steal our joy and kill our peace, and he attempts to destroy our identity. But what I found when I was so depressed and when I was on my sickbed many years ago is that I had a difficult time praising out of my mouth. I It was hard to pray and just praise God because quite honestly, I didn't feel like it. But I played praise and worship music in my room 24-7. And as I did that, then I would start singing along mm. music. And scripture says, number one, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And yep. so when I would sing along with that praise and worship music, God was there and he was delighting in the fact that I would sing even when I felt so bad. But the other part of that is that the enemy of our soul cannot stand it when we praise the Lord. And when we say the name of Jesus, he has to flee. And so one of the best things we can do, whether we're struggling with depression or anxiety or cancer or financial difficulty, you name it is to praise God anyway. And I think that's why God calls it a sacrifice Mm. of praise because we don't feel like it when we're going through a hard time. But when we will do it anyway, God delights in that and it makes the enemy flee. And another tool that I would say, and it's going to sound counterintuitive again because we don't feel like it, but that is gratitude. And even when we are going through the trials, there are always things that we can find to be grateful for. When I was so deathly ill and I couldn't work, all I could do was stay in that sick bed. I had to look for little things to be thankful for. It was the summertime in Texas, which is terribly hot. But I started by saying, thank you, Lord, that I have air conditioning in this room. Mm. Thank you that I have a comfortable pillow. Thank you that I can still remain at home instead of in the hospital. And I would challenge myself then each day to find five new things to thank God for that I had not already thanked him for. And it made me get down to the deep, really deep places. Thank you, Lord, that you're here, that your word says you never leave us. Even though I might not feel you right now, thank you that I can trust your word is true. Mm. Amen. So, okay, what role does shame play and how can we counter that? 
shame is one of those sneaky things that the enemy uses against us because the enemy will come in when we're depressed or when we're anxious or when we're going through a marital difficulty or financial difficulty and he will say this is all your fault nobody understands if you tell people about it you will be rejected and not accepted so the enemy uses shame to take an already bad situation and make us feel even worse about it. And the way we counter that is by recognizing that he wants us to isolate so that we cannot receive support from our brothers and sisters. And instead, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And it might be telling your spouse or it might be telling a counselor or a pastor or it might be getting into a group support where you can bear it all and tell them. Because when we take those things out of the dark and make them light, the darkness doesn't hold its power anymore. Mm. And when it's in our head, when we're just thinking these dark thoughts in our head, it sounds so logical. But when you finally actually say it out loud to someone, it's like, I can't believe I was thinking that, you know, it, it just breaks the power of it when you declare it and, and say, I'm struggling and here's what I'm thinking and I know it's wrong. And the person that you declare it to might not be able to relate from having gone through the same experience, but they may not have gone through depression or they may not struggle with anxiety, but I'm here to tell you that Pain is pain. Mm -hmm. We can all relate to pain of some sort. So I may not relate to your experience, but I can relate to your feeling of pain and I can have great compassion and I can pray specifically into that area of pain. Mm. Amen. Okay. So God, as is the theme of our show, says all things, he works all things together for good. How are you able to see that even through your experience with depression and anxiety? One of the biggest ways is now I hear from people, not just in my own hometown or my own state, but now I hear from people around the world who have read my books and said, you get it and you pointed me to hope. If you had told me that that would happen years ago when I was on my sick bed and so depressed, I think I would have laughed. Mm. But I had had a word spoken over me and that was Isaiah 61 that says, I have anointed you to preach the good news to the nations. I could not have gotten my books into people's hands in Africa. I could not have shared my story. But God could, and he has used what helped me to help people that I will never meet in person. But God is not limited by time or space. And so he can get that into someone's hand who needs to know there is hope. Hold on a little bit longer and God will see you through. Mm. So, so good. Okay, so as we are wrapping up this segment of the podcast, this is kind of where I ask you to share maybe a, a few tips or tools to help our listeners kind of sharpen their perspective on, on how they can continually kind of see God working all things together for good. You've already given us a couple, praise and worship and gratitude. 
you want to throw anything else out there that would be helpful just to really help hold on to that truth of Romans 8.28? I think the biggest one that I can offer, and it might seem simplistic, but it is to be in God's presence. When we are going through things like depression or anxiety or a physical illness or any of the other trials in life, we have a tendency to withdraw. And in part, that is the enemy. That goes back to the enemy trying to to shame us. But what I have found is that if instead you will lean in and spend more time in God's presence, then you will see his hand at work. It's when we withdraw and we turn away from him that we're not as apt to see how he's working things together for good. And I would go so far as to say, pray and ask the Lord to show you his hand and you will see it sometimes in the smallest instances. Sometimes it may be a big thing, but when we ask God to show us how he's working, he will. We just have to be willing to see things that we might not otherwise see and not expect God's going to do it our way. That's when we get into the worry, fear, and anxiety because we're trying to control. So he asks us to surrender. And when we will push in, lean into his presence, he will have a way to work that will not compare with anything we could have done in isolation. Mm. And he loves to answer that prayer. Lord, show me what you're doing or show me what, is there something you want me to learn from this struggle? Those kinds of prayers, he loves to answer those. So when we press in, he, you know, we're doing exactly the opposite of what the enemy wants us to do, which is a win. Right. And you know, I love to infuriate the enemy. And you are so good at it. I'm telling you, girl, you should win an award for that. But that is, you know, when you're dealing with the places that make most Christians trip up and stumble and lose hope. You know, you can't expect them to be happy about that. That's right. I'm okay with that. Yep, that's right. You are a courageous woman. So if if our listeners want to find you um, online, what's the best way for them to connect with you? They can find me through my website. And the easy address is drmichelleb.com. And I'm on all the social medias at Michelle Bankson. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was an absolute delight as it always is. It's always a joy. I look forward to the next time we can get together, Athena. Amen. Welcome to another Insider Insights segment of the All Things Podcast, where we answer questions from our listeners about writing and publishing. If you'd like to ask a question, download the Anchor app on your phone and then search for the All Things Podcast. You'll see a message button where you can click and record your question, and then we'll play your question on the next Insider Insights segment and give an answer. So here we go. Well, welcome back to the second half of the broadcast today, our Insider Insights. I do not have my sidekick with me today. Cynthia is traveling, so I'm going to man this by myself. And we have a couple of questions today. The first that we're going to answer, the first that I'm going to answer is, 
and I get this a lot at writers' conferences across the country, you know, we'll a lot of times have a panel, an editorial or publishing expert panel, and often people will ask, well, what should I write about? What's trending? What's the next hot thing that I should be writing about? And I want to just say that my answer to that question is probably not what people want to hear. Um, I don't have an insight as to the next big trend or the next best-selling topic that's going to um, make everyone a bunch of money. I am more interested in seeing authors write from the passion that God's given them and the the experiences that they've gone through that God has shown himself faithful that will bring hope to others. I would rather encourage you, rather than looking for the next best-selling trend to try to jump in and take advantage of and, and uh, you know, make a name for yourself on, I'd rather challenge you to really seek the Lord and ask him what he wants your first book or your next book to be focused on. You know, think about it. What is your passion? What is it that really excites you that's going to help other people based on your own experience? That's the direction that I would encourage you to prayerfully take and consider. So, um, you know, not to say that you shouldn't write about something that's going to be a trend or that is trending right now. But I don't think that should be our motivation is to write about what's the next big thing. You need to write out of obedience and really just be asking the Lord what he would have you to write about. Okay, so my second topic and question is uh, oftentimes authors or you know, aspiring authors, ask us, where do I start? And the whole idea of writing a book can be very intimidating. And so I want to give you some suggestions, some different things that you can think about that will help you start moving forward. Writing a book may not be your first step. So I want to give you a bunch of baby steps that you can prayerfully consider in your writing journey. The first would possibly be, and we've talked about this on the last couple of broadcasts, uh, maybe attending a She Writes for Him writing retreat or some other writing retreat might be your first step in just connecting with others who have a similar goal and similar passion to you, writing out of your experiences, um, taking seriously the call that you feel to write, whatever that's going to look like, just surrounding yourself with others at a very intimate writing retreat that could help you really move forward in whatever your first step is going to be. So I'll just mention the SheWritesForHim.com. If you go there, you'll see a little bit about our 
our first She Writes for Him Writing Intensive Retreat, which is coming up the end of April um, 29th through May 2nd. And I would encourage you to consider that. The next thing I would encourage you to consider is if you're not a journaler, start journaling. Because that is oftentimes if you will keep track and pour your heart out to God every day on paper, or, you know, some of you may feel like typing is, is better than writing. So it, whichever way works for you, you want to get that as a daily discipline, really, so that you can record all the struggles, the challenges, the answers to prayer, all the things that God does because so often we think, oh, I'll remember that. And, you know, life gets busy and we do forget. So I would say, number one, you know, journaling is probably your most, one of your most important foundations where you can keep a record of what God is doing in your life. Then I would say another uh, baby step would be blogging. Now, let me say, if you feel that God is moving you in that direction to start blogging, I would love to see you take that very seriously and really ask him, okay, what should I be blogging about? There's probably going to be an area of ministry that you are passionate about that is unique to you and your experience. I would encourage you to blog about that and really zero in on how you can offer content that will bring hope, that will be a resource, that will give answers, that will comfort the people that need to hear what your insight. So blogging is um, and we actually at Redemption Press we have classes every other month by Edie Melson, who is the blogging guru in the Christian blogging market, so to speak. Um, she is always on top of what we all need to be aware of when it comes to blogging, and 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 how to do how to really improve that craft. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not blogging yet, and you do feel a tug from the Lord to blog, uh, I would get some training on how to do that and do it well. And whatever you commit to, be consistent, whether it's once a month or once a week, but your blogging should be something that is intentional, thoughtful, and valuable. It needs to be of value to others. The next thing I'm going to suggest is maybe writing articles. There are online magazines, newspapers, uh, websites that are looking for content. There's so much content needed out there. You might just work on an article that is kind of the basis for the passion that you have and the, what you want to see um, your experience 
as helping others. Maybe it's just an article that will go and, and maybe just, I'm sorry, that's not appropriate. You know, articles can reach an awful lot more people than a book because you can put, you can, if you have a, a topic that fits well with a publication that a million readers, they, they have a million people who subscribe to their website or their magazine or their, even a print magazine. You know, most people don't sell a million books. So uh, writing an article is nothing to, you know, blow off as if it's just because it's small or short or a small word count that it's not, I, I mean, that is something that can impact a huge number of people. So I would suggest considering that. And let me just say the Christian Writers Market Guide is a great place to find different publications that are looking for content. And that is something that uh, you want to make sure you do your homework and find publications that are targeted to the people that you those people that are your people, that are your audience, that are the people that need to hear what you have to say. Okay, the next way to start small would be a collection or a compilation. So you might, uh, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul is probably the best example of that. And, you know, writing one piece for an a compilation or a collection that has many other authors who are all going to be promoting the book and selling the book and excited about the book. You, that kind of a situation gets you in front of people you would never get in front of because you've got all these other people who are part of the compilation who are in there and promoting it through their social media and on their book tables. So it's allowing your story or your piece to get in front of people you would never get in front of otherwise. We actually have a brand new, it's at the printer right now. <clears throat> it's called She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith. And we actually came up with that idea to take well-known best-selling authors and have them lead out in each of the segments of the book and then have first-time and even veteran authors have a piece in that book as well. So the, the well-known authors who are drawing more readers are then helping those newer authors gain an audience. So we're very excited about that. And that is our compilation, our collection, that we are going to be putting out multiple times a year. So uh, you might want to check with us on that. Now, how about repurposing content that you've already worked on? Maybe you do Facebook devotionals. Maybe you've gone onto Facebook and just started the Lord had you start doing some sort of daily encouragement. Well, that is a great foundation to utilize to create a potential book. Maybe you've been blogging for a while and you have some content there on your blog. Maybe you teach on different topics and you've got, or you preach, 
So there you've got some material that could be repurposed into a book. Perhaps you have poetry and that poetry could be repurposed into maybe a gift book with some beautiful photography or artwork. Or maybe that poetry could be turned into a children's book. There are so many ways to take content that we already have. We don't even maybe realize that it's something that we could utilize. And we're not having to come up with all brand new content. It's something that we already have. It's already, we've already actually had people respond especially if we've put it on social media or if we've read our poetry in, in groups or, you know, taught it, we already know how people are feeling about the content. And so that can give us way more encouragement to actually take the next step. So then, of course, the last would be actually writing a book. And it could be something that you've already written and it's been sitting in your computer forever and you've just never had the courage to take the next step or, you know, life happened and got in the way and you never really got back to it. Or maybe you've just got something scribbled down on a sticky note or on a napkin. There's so many opportunities out there, whether it's like we talked about last time, joining a writer's group or joining a critique group. So you can actually pull that manuscript out or that idea out and, you know, bounce it off people who can give you positive feedback. Now you, you want to make sure you bounce it off people who are safe and not people who are going to, um, you know, be critiquers in a way that is not healthy. Maybe they're jealous or maybe they, you know, um, are, are really not speaking um, with the heart of God to encourage you. Now, we all need to improve, and so we need to be able to hear that, but definitely it needs to be from people who are emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. Let's, let's just create that boundary right now. Um, but taking that idea and working it through either at a retreat like the She Writes for Him retreat or at um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching where you might have someone locally as part of your writer's group that you could connect with and work with. We have coaches that we have vetted that have just been so incredible working with uh, a lot of our Redemption Press authors to process and work through and brainstorm and develop the idea that they have. And sometimes it's taking the writing that they've already done and helping them improve it. But definitely, you know, there's so many different ways that you could begin those baby steps toward someday writing a book. It may, you know, it may be something where you write articles, you write an article a month or an article a week or or maybe even if you feel like this is a, a, something that the Lord would have you do, maybe there's a local newspaper that you could write a column for. There's been many times where we have taken blogs and turned them into books, taken columns and turned them into 
books. There's so many things that you can do and so many ways that you can start small and build towards something that is more significant. And again, I don't want to say that books are always more significant because like I said, an article can go to so many more people than a book can. So please don't discount that. So I love answering your questions and I would just love to have more questions to answer from those of you who are listening and maybe something that I said today, um, you know, stirred up a question and you'd like to ask that. So I would love to have you download the app, the Anchor app on your phone and find us on there and leave a message in your, in your voice of your question and we will answer it the next time we do this. We do this the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. So twice a month, we bring you Insider Insights. So thank you so much for joining us today for Dr. Michelle Bankston, who is just one of my favorite people. Boy, she... God has given her some truths to help people that I'll tell you what, the enemy has done, worked overtime to try and stop her and silence her, but she is one of the bravest women I know, and it has been an honor to have her not only as one of our authors, but also I call her friend, and we, um, we have just watched God do some pretty amazing things together. So I hoped today encouraged you both with Dr. Michelle and with our Insider Insights. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.